Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is the 2021 podcast series, breaking down the draft eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 2021. This is part one of two for episode seven of the 2021 podcast series. And I know what you're thinking. Why are there two parts to episode seven? Well, it's simple. There's really a lot to cover. You know, we've got weeks six and seven of the college football season to really talk about. And I think it goes without saying, we have to look at Trevor Lawrence, the dominant performances he's put in. This past weekend, five touchdown passes in just uh, one half of football, over 400 yards passing, uh, just dominant performances left and right. He's solidified himself as the number one pick in the draft. I don't think there's really any argument there that Trevor Lawrence is going to be going number one overall. If you're the New York Jets, if you can remain winless, then I think all things are saying are pointing to you're going to take a quarterback. You're going to take Trevor Lawrence and Sam Darnold. You know what? You're probably going to end up looking at, at trading uh, Sam Darnold. And look, you know, you've seen other NFL franchises do that. Just look at the Arizona Cardinals back-to-back seasons. After taking Josh Rosen with the 10th overall pick, they turn around the following year with uh, you know Cliff Kingsbury coming in and uh, getting his quarterback in Kyler Murray. You know, we know that Adam Gase is going to be out the door, so who's going to be taking over the, the Jets franchise? That's going to be a big question mark. And they're going to want to get their guy in there at the quarterback position. And Trevor Lawrence looks about as sure a thing uh, at the quarterback position since uh, a guy named Andrew Luck fell in the laps of uh, the Indianapolis Colts. But he's not the only one that we'll be talking about in part two of episode seven. I think the running back position is really heating up at the top. You know, with Travis Etienne of Clemson and Najee Harris of, of Alabama, they're really neck and neck. The most complete running backs in the draft. These guys can run with power. They can run with speed. They can catch the football out of the backfield. They're also decent blockers, although I think Najee Harris might have an edge there with, with Travis Etienne. We'll break that down. We'll also look at Jalen Waddell. Why has he solidified himself as at least the number two wideout in this year's draft? is knocking on the door at the number one spot that's currently held by Jamar Chase of LSU. Defensively, I think the talk of the town after week seven was J.C. Horn of South Carolina. If you tuned into that game against Auburn, my goodness, what he did against Seth Williams, four pass breakups, two interceptions, dominant, dominant performance, and he's really knocking on the door of being that number one corner in the 2021 draft, I think he's he's really there on the precipice of, of being able to, to take over that spot and, and hold it all to himself. It's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out, but we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Go ahead and, and record episode seven, part two tomorrow. So if you've enjoyed the content today with this podcast, tune in tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. And, uh, you know, so this podcast, what are we going to be talking about? Well, We've already dedicated episodes to talking about players from the SEC, the Big 12, Pac-12, Mountain West, the MAC. It's about time to talk about the FCS and the lower level prospects, right? And I know what you're thinking. The FCS and those lower levels, they're not playing a season. The season's over. You know, and, and there's talk that, hey, maybe they'll have a, a winter season or possibly even a spring season. But for the guys that are draft eligible and want to hear their names called, uh, the end of April during the draft, they're not going to be able to play in a, in a winter or a spring season because they're getting themselves ready for the draft. So we're going to get to see them potentially in some of the all-star games. And you know, especially you, know, you want to see some of the top talent there at the Senior Bowl. 
You're going to see them at the combine and then the individual workouts. And that's about it in terms of, you know, what you're, what you're looking at there. So you really have to rely on a lot of the game film from last season. So we're going to be talking about quite a few players. And when you think about the FCS and some of the lower levels, a season ago, only nine players, nine non-FBS players were drafted. And only two were on the first two days of the draft. And those were Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin going to the Patriots and Panthers respectively. This season, you know, instead of the defense, I think you're looking at three offensive players who could hear their names called in the first three rounds of the draft, two of which, you know, teammates could get drafted in round number one. So we'll make sure that we call all of that out. I think there's 13 or 14 prospects who could very easily hear their names called during the draft. And that's the thing that's so great about some of these lower level prospects as well. They will make a roster. They will come in. They'll be an undrafted free agent, either make a roster, you know, whether it's on the active roster or the practice squad. And those will be names that you'll start hearing about and starting talking about. You know, I, I think of, of James Robinson, the running back that came out of Illinois State, undrafted, goes to the Jaguars, and is now their starting running back. You know, that's just one of many stories that I, I think we can we can talk about um, you know, at length. And so that's really what I wanted to do with this podcast, really jump in, take a look at some of these FCS pro, uh, prospects and uh, some of the lower level prospects. And you know, if you can get your, your hands on some game film, absolutely do that. So I think when we jump into things, obviously the name that everyone's talking about is Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. 6'3", 224 pounds. He's a redshirt sophomore, played in just one game here in 2020, and that was against Central Arkansas. Uh, took no, uh, North Dakota State to the victory in that game. Really kind of had a shaky start. You know, was one of seven. You could see that he was really trying to, to build some rapport with his receivers, kind of knocking the, the rust off a little bit. Um, and, and so there were some struggles there. But uh, make, make no mistake, you know, this guy, when, when it was needed and really the, down the stretch, this was a guy who dominated the second half of that game. Um, you know, you saw him, you know, throwing on a line, you know, the ball out to the receiver uh, on an outbreaking route to the wide side. Uh, hitting him in stride, um, you know the, the ability to throw the football down the football field. Uh, I, I thought that was really special in terms of that arm talent, the ability to throw it, you know, just effortlessly, 40, 50, you know, 50 plus yards down the field, and then you know he busted off a, a 33-yard run to begin the third quarter. He pulled it, was able to avoid the blitz, cut inside a defensive back at the second level, showed a little wiggle there at the you know at the second level as well, secured the football before going down. You know, this is a guy who I think when you watch him play, you know, the deep ball accuracy is per, you know is, is is perfect. You know, when he sets his feet after the play action, had a tight end down the field, um, hits him for 23 yards, just put it right on the money. Tight end was wide open on that play, but then also has a 50-yard throw in the air to his receiver, had a step on the corner, dropped it right in over the shoulder. The receiver went off of his hands, but that just speaks to you know, the accuracy, the ability to just drop it in the bucket and just deliver a dime in stride. Uh, you know, just a special quarterback. And look, as a redshirt freshman, this was a kid, you know, was just about dominant. Just under 67% completion percentage, uh, just under 2,800 yards, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. You know, I, you know, which is just unreal. And then he also rushed for 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns as well. Uh, you know, this guy... You know, through his first interception of the season 
uh, in the game, 307 attempts before his first interception in college. And uh, really, he had a receiver that was heading down the seam, uh, put the ball on a line, and the safety was able to undercut the ball for the interception. You know, and honestly, had he put some air under the ball, he would have hit his receiver in stride and he would have scored a touchdown. That's one of the things that I do see with, with Trey Lance is his ability. He pushes the football down the field uh, you know, and to the wide side, and there's no question about the arm strength. But when he throws the ball between the you know, between the hashes there, you know, especially up the seam, it's a laser, and you don't see as much touch. You don't see, you know, it, all he had to do is just put a little bit of air on, you know, a little bit of air under that ball, and that receiver ends up walking into the end zone. But instead, ball gets picked off by by uh, the DB that was able to undercut the route. But other throws in that game, he had a tight end up the seam, and uh, you know, ultimately hit hit the tight end in stride. But it was a laser. It was just one, you know, one-dimensional one throw, and you want to see him vary those throws a little bit, being able to put the ball over a linebacker in front of the safety up the seam. You, know, you really hope that that touch—that's really what you want to see from him. Some of those touch throws. You know, I think of a guy like Zach Wilson of BYU, a guy who can push the football down the field, but on those touch throws to the tight end over the middle. Uh, you know, that's really something that is special. You think of Trevor Lawrence, another guy who can really take something off of a throw, especially if he's throwing to the wide side of the field, throwing some of these back shoulder throws, able to take some of that off and, and really put some more air and some of that touch on the football to allow that receiver to make a play on the ball. That's what you really want to see out of Trey Lance, and I think that's the one thing that might be lacking from his game. But look, you know, this is a guy who... You know, has the ability to throw the football, you know, with ease, just a flick of the wrist, 40 plus yards, you know, down the field, and then bust off a 60-yard run uh, right after that. So the athleticism, you know, teams are looking for the next Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, the athletic quarterbacks. And when you look at guys like like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Zach Wilson now of BYU, and Trey Lance. They all have that athleticism. They have the ability to make plays, to get outside the pocket. But I think of those quarterbacks, the guy who is a threat to go the distance anytime he has the football in his hands, it's Trey Lance. And I think that's one of the things from an accuracy standpoint, again, 67% completion percentage and over 300 balls without an interception uh, before he threw his first pick. This guy, you put him up against Justin Fields, up against Zach Wilson, and that might be the little bit that ends up making him that number two quarterback taken off the board. And look, you know, Zach Wilson, he's only a junior. He'd be the fourth quarterback on, on the board there, uh, potentially move his way into number three or possibly even, even into the number two uh, consideration. But he could also come back for a senior season there at BYU, play with Gunnar Romney, play with, with Dax Milne, uh, Brady Christensen, the, the left tackle. He's also a junior. A lot of talent on the defensive side of the football underclassmen as well and then you look at Keaton Slovis you have Sam Sam, uh, Sam Howell uh, of North Carolina it may behoove him to come back to Provo for one more year and really see what happens you know, I, I think though Trey Lance has already announced that he's coming back for the draft and uh, you know I think that's ultimately he's going to be the number two quarterback take him and uh, you know, I think he's a special, special talent for sure. Now, I think if you look at the receiver position, there are a couple of guys that we really need to talk about. And the first one is Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. 5'10", 180 pounds. And uh, look, a season ago, averaged 
let's see, 17 yards per reception and 18 yards per carry uh, on, on the year. 72 receptions, over 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns. But he's also an excellent return man as well. I think that's one of the things that really jumped out. You know, two kickoff returns for touchdown, very sudden uh, with his route running ability. You know, just very fearless going over the middle. A guy who can extend for the fo- uh, extend for the football, lay out if, if you need him to. Um, he's a slot guy. I think he's you know you watch him and at first I thought maybe this guy's a little bit quicker than he is fast. Uh, but the, the suddenness with the route running, then he is allowed to open up the speed at the second level. This is a guy who I think could end up running sub four five, and uh, could he end up going in the first three rounds? There's just so many receivers right now. I think you're probably looking at a guy who's probably going to go fourth, fifth round. But I think he's going to make a team, and not only that, he's going to be a weapon coming out of the slot. I really like Cade Johnson a lot uh, there for for the Jackrabbits there of Sa- uh, South Dakota State. And if you transition to Montana, they've got another receiver in uh, Samari Toure, uh, 6'3", 190 pounds, uh, you know, 87 catches on the year, uh, just under 1,500 yards and, and 13 touchdowns. Another big play guy, uh, averaged 17.2 yards per reception on the year. Now, this is a guy who they, they said he came to Montana running a 4'7", but you watch him run and he looks like a lot more explosive than that. You know, if he's running in the four fives at 6'3", 190, that's probably about what you're looking for uh, for that bigger receiver. You know, one of the things that you saw with him is he's able to change speeds with his, his double moves to really set up his uh, uh, his defensive back in front of him. Fluid hips, you know, ran this on a slant and go. Uh, you know, was able to to get uh, get vertical and run by the, the corner after flipping those hips and, and turning and going. Um, able to separate as he got vertical a little bit. I think he varies his release coming off the line. Really good stutter. Uh, getting the corner, you know, getting the corner uh, to really react to that, and then cutting inside for a slant. Um, you know, he attacks the the defensive backs in off coverage. Um, you know, and, and I think this is a guy who does a great job tracking the football over the shoulder, uh, down the football field. Uh, very physical, uses an arm over to beat press coverage as well. Um, I think he accelerates through the catch, especially on those crossing routes. You know, catch that football and get north and south. He's not going to sit there and slow down. He's going to make that catch in stride and keep going. And uh, I really love, again, the, tracking the football and then that elevating and winning those 50-50 balls. That's something that you really want to see out of Samari Toure at the next level. You know, he's probably a late day three guy, but I think he's someone, you know, I, I remember Isaiah Coulter coming out of Rhode Island a season um, a season ago, and he ended up getting drafted in uh, in round number five to Houston. He's on IR for, for the Texans, but he got drafted in round number five. And I'm looking at Samari Toure, and I think there's a good chance if he tests well, there's a good chance he could end up coming off the board in round number five as well. Now we're going to go ahead and move to the tight end position. And when we do that, we're actually going to uh, move to the Central Missouri Mules. I'm going to give you a guy that you may not have heard of, but you you need to tune in and, and watch this guy play. A 6'7", 245-pound Zach Davidson. Not only is he the tight end, but he was also the team's punter. And, and in 2019... 40 catches, 894 yards, and 15 touchdowns. You want to talk about a playmaker. This guy is that. You know, this is a guy who lined up all over the field in the slot, in line as an H-back, um, split out wide. You know, he, he has the speed to run up the seam and, and run away from defensive backs. 
Um, there was even a play where he took the handoff from the H-back position, showed the speed to get to the edge and get up the field um, on an out route, showed that he was able to stop on a dime, make that first man miss, and then get down the field showing good speed to accelerate away. Uh, makes full extension catches up the sideline to win those 50-50 balls. Uh, has excellent length. Uh, does, you know, Also shows the savviness to be able to sit down in the zone and, and catch the ball and then take off and, and make some plays with his legs after the catch. Um, you know, he's, you know, the ability to adjust to the football thrown to the outside, um, you know, opens up on those back shoulder throws. Uh, and, and again, look, the mules, they love to, to line him up all over the field. He's 6'7", 245. And I think of these, some of these bigger receipt or bigger tight ends. I think of Donald Parham, the 6'9", uh, tight end, um, out of, I believe it was Stetson. And he was number three in the FCS in receiving, and uh, went undrafted, went to the Lions, got cut, went to the XFL, and now is a backup tight end for the Chargers. I'm looking at Zach Davidson. This guy is a developmental prospect. I think he's a little raw in his skill set. Um, needs to work on his blocking a little bit, route running. Uh, just you know, he's a tremendous athlete. But I, I think Zach Davidson's a guy that we could be talking about in, in a few years uh, at the NFL level. I think he has that type of talent. And uh, yes, he's playing against inferior competition. But uh, you know, the athleticism, you know, that can't be denied. You can't teach that. And uh, I, I think you get him into the right program. Uh, at the next level, I think Zach Davidson can end up being a playmaker there at the tight end position. Moving to the offensive line, and this is really where things get interesting. I think you have two offensive linemen who could be who could hear their names called in, in the first two days of the draft, and the first one in Dylan Radins, uh, like his teammate with, with the Bison and, and Trey Lance, I think he could hear his name called on the first day of the draft. 6'6", 298, a three-year starter, first-team All-American, uh, agile. I think that's one of the things that you see. Very light on his feet. He's a knee bender, consistent hand placement to the inside, very easy mover, uh, you know, ability to mirror the defensive end that's in front of him. Even when the defensive end gets the edge, he's able to maintain leverage and drive him away from the pocket. Um, had the defensive end and a linebacker on his side, was able to first pick up the defensive end, block down on him, then open back up and pick up the linebacker that was blitzing off the edge, force him up the field and wide of the quarterback. Uh, you know, again, plays with leverage, keeps those hands inside on the chest plate, very technically sound, gets to the second level, those moving defenders able to you know, come down under control and make a block on those linebackers and defensive backs at the second level. Uh, very balanced. Um, I think his hands can get high at times, but still has that length in the knee bend uh, to still win at the point of attack. I think the, there's quickness in his kick slide. Uh, you know, he's able to to redirect and you know block down and redirect the the defensive tackle, and then still get out. Like I said, with those linebackers, not only blitzing the the quarterback, but in the run game as well, climbing to the next level, getting to those linebackers, and uh, you know being that lead blocker, those combo blocks. I think that's one of the things that you see from him blocking two and sometimes three guys on one play. You know that's really a special special skill set. I think for for Dylan Raiden. So when you look at the the offensive tackles that could potentially be above him, in uh, in you know Panay Sewell. And uh, Samuel Cosme, you know, the first two names that come to mind, they're, they're probably better athletes overall than Dylan Radins, but I think from a technical standpoint, you know, very technically sound, very balanced, intelligent player, uh, 32 consecutive starts. I, I think he's one of those guys who's going to be in that conversation 
to be the, the number three offensive tackle coming off the board. I think there, there's Tevin Jenkins, there's there's Jalen Mayfield, uh, Walker Little potentially there out of Stanford. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys that are going to be in that, that consideration. Liam Eichenberg is really playing well for Notre Dame. He could end up hearing his name called in round number one when it's all said and done. Uh, but I'm going to give you one more guy that you really have to be on the lookout for, and that's Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. 6'9", 321, really grown into his body. This guy's powerful. He's physical. He has a mean streak. He's nasty. He's the Mackay Becton of this year's draft. You know, Mackay Becton, also 6'9", uh, but he's he's much uh, much leaner than, than Mackay Becton. Mackay, uh, you know, came in at, at 354. Spencer Brown, a svelte 321. But I'll tell you what, you know, you watch the game film, and just like Mackay Becton, just getting out on the edge, you know, especially as a run blocker, and the kickout blocks, just shoving guys, throwing guys around, that's what you saw out of Spencer Brown. It was really a lot of fun. You'd see him block down, drive his man to the to the ground, then look for more. That's one of the things that was, you know, so much fun watching Spencer Brown play is, is that this guy, he dominate his man, and then he's looking, who else can I take out? Um, you know, pulling around, finds a linebacker in the hole, really just punishes him, drives him to the ground as well. Very physical, heavy-handed. You know, I, I think that's one of the things that I that is so reminds me so much of Mikai Becton. You know, those long arms and just that punch and that strike to really throw his man off balance. Um, you know, drove his man, you know, repeatedly outside, you know, the far hash, uh, just keeping those arms extended and driving his man out now here's one of the things that happened you know and again northern iowa fcs program so the 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 talent level may not be on par with some of the fbs uh, offensive tackles but that said he overset to the outside but you saw the lateral quickness the ability to slide back in very quick with this feet to slide back in uh, to get inside, recover, and beat the defensive end to the inside. The lateral quickness for a guy his size is tremendous. Still has to work on that pad level, make sure that he stays down. But when he's down and that guy is moving forward or uh, on his kick slide, this guy can be absolutely dominant. Uh, absolutely uses the length to his advantage. And, uh, you know, tune into the game against Iowa State uh, where he manhandled Jaquan Bailey. I mean, this guy, he was beating him to the edge, throwing him to the ground and really just beat up Jaquan Bailey left and right. So I think Spencer Brown could be in that conversation as one of the top five or six tackles in the draft and could end up hearing his name called in the first 30, 40 picks of this draft. And uh, you know, like Dylan Radins, he was uh, announced to be at the Senior Bowl. So you really want to see, can he stack up, You know, and really how does he stack up against some of the top defensive ends, you know, edge rushers, in the FBS, and if he holds his own there, you're going to see his draft stock continue to rise. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start talking about him in the first 20 to 25 picks of the draft. One other name at the offensive tackle position to be mindful of, and that's Drew Himmelman out of Illinois State. He's 6'7", 310, a three-year starter, former basketball player, and uh, you know he came to uh, Illinois State as a tight end. He was 230 pounds, and uh, you know he was saying in an interview. That, that he gray shirted in spring of, of 2016. And then one of their offensive tackles got hurt. He switched to offensive tackle. He's been there ever since. 
He was a first-team All-American, first-team All-Conference a season ago. He's very athletic. He bends well, stays low at, in a stance. You know, looks like a basketball player out there a little bit. You know, more of a finesse player, but he's a, at the same time very effective run blocker. Keeps those hands inside. And when you talk about Spencer Brown being very physical, I think Drew Himmelman is a guy. Again, he's going to be that basketball player. He's going to be able to move really well laterally. But I think he's really more of that finesse tackle. But uh, definitely, you know, I, I think when you look at him, he's definitely a guy that could be a left tackle at the next level. Probably a guy that you could talk about, you know, maybe into that third round, you know, especially if he ends up getting a senior bowl invite. I think he'll probably be more like a, anywhere in the fourth to sixth round range when it's all said and done. So we're going to then move to the interior of the offensive line. We're going to take a look at Liam Fornadel out of James Madison. He's 6'4", 308, played offensive tackle. Yes, he was a right tackle there for the Dukes. Uh, 2019 first team All-American. And uh, this is a guy, you know, footwork, you know, was, you know, a little, you know, left a little bit to be desired at times. You know, a little long striding, heels clicking a little bit. Um, but very good hand placement to the inside. Very solid run blocker. A guy who, you know, anchors very well. The lower body strength you see. Very effective run blocker. Um, you know, very good, you know, powerful punch in his hands. He's going to look to strike it, strike the guy in front of him whenever possible. He's going to you know, lunge and bend at the waist. And again, with that footwork, he's a guy that belongs on the interior of the line, but uh, a guy who I think can be a starter at the next level as a guard. Uh, same goes for, for Liam Dobson. You know, he's 6'3", 340 pounds uh, out of Maine and uh, was a right tackle for the Black Bears. But he's, uh, he's going to be a guard at the next level. Uh, another guy who's very nasty. You put him and, and Spencer Brown on, on the same line and, and there's going to be trouble. Uh, I watch him play and he reminds me a lot of, uh, of Will Hernandez in the way that he plays. He's not as athletic as, as uh, Quentin Nelson, but he's definitely, definitely nasty. Uh, very heavy-handed, very nasty. Um, is going to strike and drop defenders. Definitely plays with that mean streak and cave in the right side uh, when he's blocking down in the running game. Very active hands. Um, again, not the quickest laterally, so that's why I think he's going to kick inside. Um, you know, and if you tune in to watch the game film, he's just throwing guys down. He's just throwing them around, punishing guys, burying them. He just looks like a mean dude. You know, physical at the point of attack, keeps those hands inside, sustains the block, can generate a ton of movement. I like Liam Dobson. I think he'll be a, a day three guy, but that's going to be a name that you really want to look out for. Moving to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, one name that I wanted to talk about uh, with this episode, but he's actually transferred to, to Charlotte because he wanted to play in 2020, and that's Romeo McKnight out of Illinois State. Uh, 6'5", 260 pounds. He's now, like I said, with Charlotte. Uh, but he was an Iowa transfer to Illinois State after two years with uh, with knee injuries with the Hawkeyes. And in 2019, uh, 12 sacks, 16 and a half tackles for loss. Still had 64 total tackles at the defensive end position. Um, and at 20 starts uh, for the Cardinals, bends very well. And I think what you really see is that high motor. A guy who just continues to go after the football. Excellent swim move. Um, and, uh, you know, just always coming, you know, always going after the football, slides inside to drop the running back between the tackles, uh, works well going through traffic. Um, and I'm looking at my notes and I see swim, move, swim, move, swim, move. But then you also see that the hands, when he converts that speed to power, uses the leverage to drive the, uh, the tackle back into the quarterback, uh, make some plays and, and through two games so far for the 49ers, 
13 tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. So he's showing that he can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I think he's got excellent size. The biggest red flag is going to be those knee injuries. You know, is he going to be able to get that clean bill of health? Our team's going to be confident enough in that. I think that's why he'll probably end up being a late round pick. But I, I think he is worthy of a draft pick because he has some of that explosion coming off the edge. And this is a, a draft that's kind of weak in terms of uh, edge rushers. So I think Romeo McKnight deserves uh, to be looked at uh, towards the end of the draft. Uh, another guy to really be on the lookout for, and that's Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa. Uh, 6'7", 245. He's added to, uh, 45 pounds of muscle. Uh, so when you think about that, you know, in terms of, of his size, he showed up uh, to Northern Northern Iowa. He wasn't the biggest dude at all, but his, uh, his defensive line coach is Bryce Pop. You know, play for the Packers and the Bills, uh, so he knows a player when he sees one, and he, there's a lot to like there with Ellerson Smith. Uh, you know, you see the long arms. Um, I got, you know, he loses, uses that length to his advantage. He's very quick off the ball. You see some speed to power. You know, when he's able to explode and stay low, driving his driving up into his man and just driving him back into the quarterback. But again, being six seven, you have to watch that pad level when he stands straight up. You know, he's not getting off the block. And being 245 two, uh, pounds playing defensive end, you know, I think he's going to end up having to, to move outside, uh, kind of like Charles Snowden there of, of Virginia, kind of the same type of build. I, I think that's really where he's going to be playing as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, you know, very explosive, uh, closes in a hurry, uh, disruptive versus the pass as well, getting his, those long arms into the passing lane. But uh, look, 2019 was the really the breakout year for him. Uh, had 21 and a half tackles for loss, 14 sacks, four pass breakups, had 14 quarterback hurries, five forced fumbles uh, to go along with with 63 tackles from the defensive uh, end position. And, and so I think Ellerson Smith's one of those intriguing prospects, a guy who has tremendous length, but I think he's still going to be a little bit of a developmental prospect just because of the fact that you know, he's still growing into his body. If he's going to be a defensive end, then you're going to have to, to really put him in the in the weight room and let him really develop into that defensive end. Otherwise, he's going to have to be a guy that plays in space, and he has the explosiveness to be able to do that. So I think he's an intriguing prospect. Uh, if we stay at the linebacker position, you have Willie Eubanks, the second out of the Citadel, 6'2", 230 pounds. Uh, the Citadel actually got a, got a game under their belt in uh, in 2020. But uh, with Eubanks, this is a guy, look, 137 tackles in his career, um, you know, 14 tackles for loss, uh, and, and, you know, a guy who flies around to the football. He's a first-team All-American, Buck Buchanan Award finalist, uh, which is essentially the Defensive Player of the Year in the FCS, Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Year. You see the speed to chase down the running back, instinctive against the run, quick to diagnose the plays and gets to the ball in a hurry, can rush the quarterback downhill, picks up the tight end you know, over the middle, uh, does a really good job getting underneath routes to break up the pass. You see the speed to the perimeter against the run. He can set the edge against the run as well and comes with bad intentions in the tackling. He looks to light you up, but he's also very much a sure tackler in the open field. Uh, very athletic middle linebacker, fills holes, meets the running backs, delivers a hit, uh, reads the quarterback's eyes to drop, uh, when dropping into the coverage, and... Uh, you know, does a really good job there as well. Has a couple of interceptions to his credit. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Willie Eubanks. I think there's a little bit of, of everything that he can do. Um, 
and you know he's somebody who I think could end up being a, a late day three prospect. Uh, but that athleticism, I think that's one of the things. You know, I think he could end up being a, a star on uh, on special teams if nothing else. Uh, when you look at a guy like Jace Lewis out of Montana, 6'1", 230 pounds. Um, you know, the first two two years, uh, their average. Let's see. Well, he ended up with a total of 78 tackles. 2019. Uh, just about doubled that output with 131 tackles, 12, go- uh, 12 for loss, four and a half sacks, four pass breakups, and a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, this guy was just all open over the field for the Grizzlies. You know, I mean, everywhere you look, there was Jace Lewis. Uh, open open field tackler. I think it's one of the things that you always saw. Uh, very instinctive, a nose for the football, gets downhill in a hurry. Um, covering the tight end a little bit, was able to get inside and, and uh, knock the football away. So we can, he was showing a little bit of that, that ability to be a three down linebacker. And that's really the key for a lot of these guys. And that's why Willie Eubanks is a guy that I had to talk about. Uh, Jace Lewis and then Christian Ellis out of Idaho is the other linebacker that I want to make mention of as well. These are all guys who can play the run. They've shown that they can set the edge. They can fly around to the football. They can rush the quarterback a little bit and they can drop into coverage. That makes them a three-down linebacker. And, you know, I think for all three of these guys, you know, the question is going to be how well are they going to test? And that's going to be the big question. If they test well, then I think you can end up hearing their names called on uh, on day three of the draft. Now, Christian Ellis, if the name sounds familiar, his dad, Luther Ellis, uh, played for the Lions, and then his brother, Caden, uh, was drafted in the 2019 uh, draft in the seventh round to the Saints. Uh, first team, all big sky, uh, you know, 6'3", 233 pounds for the Idaho Vandals, over 100 tackles a season ago, 216 in his career, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks on the year, very active linebacker, uh, may have, you know, about the, you know, the, the best speed of, of the linebacker. I think he and Willie Eubanks, um, you know, probably be, be duking it out there at that FCS level. But a guy who I think was primed to be a first-team All-American this year and really would, would uh, give both Jace Lewis and Willie Eubanks a run for their money in terms of uh, the overall production. Uh, he's a name to, to really keep an eye on during the pre-draft process. And then if we move to the secondary, you've got first Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas, 6'2", 176 pounds. Uh, this was a guy who got to, to go up against... Uh, North Dakota State and uh, you know got to play also against UAB actually had a scoop and score against them for 35 yard ret- uh, return for a touchdown uh, he actually closed on the receiver on the outside recognized the curl wrapped up stripped the football picked it up and took off uh, 27 career starts 10 career interceptions um, you know this is a guy who you know shows some really good ball skills you know I think the closing speed and the recovery speed is something that you also saw as well um, you know there was one there was a play where the receiver had a jab step to the inside uh, to create some separation on a fade at the goal line but he was able to recover attack the hands at the catch point to break up the ball that was against Western Kentucky um, you know but Against North Dakota State, you know, had a personal foul on a fourth and two, which ultimately led to a first down. Ended up pushing the receiver after the play, so that was kind of a mental error on his part. When you think about this guy, not only the 10 uh, interception, but 35 pass breakups, the ball skills are are definitely there with this guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought... The fact that he was able to to make plays against an FCA, FBS team in, in UAB and looked pretty decent against uh, North Dakota State, you know, I think that definitely helped himself. T. 
teams actually got to see some game film from 2020. And, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see if Jim Nagy ends up inviting him to the Senior Bowl. He's a guy who has some talent. Even if not, if he ends up going to the East-West Shrine game, I think he's the guy that can, can definitely elevate his, his level of play. Uh, another guy to really look out for is Devin Taylor, uh, formerly of Illinois State, now with Virginia Tech, 6'1", 200. But I wanted to mention him because of his play there at, uh, at Illinois State, a guy who um, you know, nine interceptions but 40 pass breakups. I mean, when you think about that, that's just staggering, including 24 in 2019. And those 24 were one shy of the team record. It was a third, third team All-American uh, a season ago, very sudden. Uh, the ability to, you know, there was game film. If you haven't seen it, there's actually footage from practice. Uh, him and uh, a- uh, Antonio Brown going at it, able to stay with AB during those workouts. Um, you know, change some speeds on his route, outbreaking route, no wasted movement, able to undercut that route. Showed some speed vertically to run with uh, with AB as well. Um, transferred to Virginia Tech so that he could actually get out onto the football field. Played in one game, had four tackles in that game, but 6'1", 200, has good size, has good mobility. The fact that he hasn't gone onto the field for Virginia Tech, look, he, he showed up you know, really after the FBS, FCS announced that they weren't going to play. So he's a guy that I think teams really were going to have to do their homework 2019 footage really watch some of that and hopefully can get invited to some of these all-star games so that people can really take notice because i think this is a guy who has tremendous ball skills and can make plays on the football uh, then there's cordell jackson out of austin p uh 163 pounds fcs all-american ball skills for days uh you know 10 interceptions 25 uh, 25 pass breakups uh, ability to undercut routes and man coverage uh, does a really good job reading the routes, uh, especially on those outbreaking routes. Uh, you know, drives quickly on the football, sits in zone coverage, reads the quarterback's eyes, um, allows him to kind of slide into that passing lane for the pick, and he's not afraid of contact. He's the guy who's going to come up and deliver a hit, um, and that's really what you like to see out of out of a corner. 16 tackles for loss in, in the last three seasons there at Austin P. Five sacks as well. Uh, so definitely a guy who can make plays behind the line of scrimmage and one final guy he's a safety uh, D'Angelo Amos 6'1 184 pounds formerly a James Madison now with the Virginia Cavaliers um, and, and for the the Cavaliers thus far played in three games 19 tackles an interception and a pass breakup but uh, for the FCS uh, you know, two-time first-team FCS All-American 2018 FCS special teams player of the year in 2018 uh, this guy dominated, you know, from the as a punt returner. Had 25 punt returns, three that he took to the house. Uh, just really a dynamic playmaker uh, as a punt returner. Actually has five punt returns for touchdowns there for the Dukes in those three seasons. Uh, you know, a guy who can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage, showcase some some ball skills as well. Uh, two interceptions uh, and 11 pass breakups to his credit. You know, a guy who does a pretty decent job playing over the top when you need him to. Um, really want to see him, you know, if, if he can get out onto the field there for Virginia. And again, a lot of these guys from the FCS that are transferring to FBS programs, they, they were moving to those FBS programs and trying to, to fit themselves into a roster really kind of almost last second. Because when you think about it, a lot of these teams, they didn't have a lot of the, the camps, the summer camps, or really much of a training camp uh, before they were able to hit the season uh, because of COVID-19. So a lot of these guys, you know, they're really starting to come into their own and hopefully they'll be able to 
see a lot more uh, field time. So, you know, with D'Angelo Amos, with uh, with Devin Taylor, and with Romeo McKnight, three defensive players who have a great chance at uh, showcasing what they can do and potentially getting drafted on day three of the draft. You know, NFL teams are going to have to be doing their homework, taking a look at that 2019 game footage and seeing what they can do hopefully here down the stretch in 2020 to really build themselves uh, some game film going forward. So those are the FCS prospects that I'm really looking forward to seeing as we go through the entire pre-draft process. If you haven't seen any of these guys play, get your hands on some game film, watch them, and uh, I'm sure you won't be disappointed because they are a lot of fun to watch. So with that said, I know that that part two of episode seven that I'm going to be taping tomorrow, we're going to be talking about weeks six and seven. Well, I want to talk briefly before we go ahead and call it a podcast about uh, week eight and some of the matchups that we're going to see on Saturday. Why? Because it's the start of Big Ten play. Now, obviously, you have the number one team in the land, Clemson. They're taking on Syracuse and uh, at home, uh, Syracuse. You know, struggled with Liberty. They're going to struggle mildly with Clemson. You know, they hung a half a hundred in the first half on Georgia Tech. I can see them doing the exact same with Syracuse, especially now that Andre Sisco out for the year and has declared himself eligible for the draft. Um, you know, Ohio State, number five Buckeyes at home uh, in the horseshoe against uh, Nebraska. Scott Frost and company come in there. We get to see Justin Fields, uh, Trey Sermon, the transfer running back out of Ohio State or from Oklahoma. Uh, Chris Olave in the passing game. Uh, Sean Wade is opted back in there at the at the cornerback position. Uh, battle of two uh, ranked teams there. The Battle of, of North Carolina. You have NC State, number 23 ranked Wolfpack, traveling to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina, number 14th ranked, licking their wounds a little bit after their their loss um, a, a week ago. But uh, you know a team that is still very dangerous. You're going to watch. Michael Carter, the running back. You're going to watch Chaz Surratt, the the linebacker. Those are two guys to definitely uh, make mention of there. How about Coastal Carolina, the number 25 ranked uh, Chanticleers? You know, ranked you know only only four seasons in uh, in FBS play. You know, if you're if you're a team at the FBS level, especially in the Power Five, and you're looking for a coach. You know, I don't know what Vanderbilt's going to be doing with Derek Mason, but if they end up letting Derek Mason go, Jamie Chadwell is a guy to look at. Billy Napier at Louisiana as well, but Jamie Chadwell, what he's done with that program in just four years of existence, I think he's got to be on team shortlist, right? Uh, the Chanticleers, they've got Taron Jackson you know, on the defensive side of the football. I think he could end up being a day three pick, a guy who's explosive getting into the backfield, over 20 sacks in his career, uh, over 30 uh, tackles for loss as well. And then they've got a talented freshman quarterback in Grayson McCall that you really want to watch as well. Um, Ole Miss taking on Auburn. Uh, they took it on the chin last week. Uh, Mississippi did. Obviously, Auburn also lost to South Carolina. Uh, Elijah Moore for, for Mississippi. You'll definitely want to watch him play the slot receiver there. Um, Auburn, you know, you've got big Seth Williams, uh, a couple of guys on the defensive side of the football. Roger McCreary, the corner, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy to, to really watch. I want to see if he can match up with, with Elijah Moore, see what happens there. Uh, Zacoby McLean, he's only a sophomore, but a guy who plays all over the field. Um, OU taking on TCU. 
Um, you know, we really want to see what Spencer Rattler can do there uh, for the Sooners. But they're traveling to Amon G. Carter Stadium. And uh, with TCU defensively, you've got Garrett Wallow, the inside linebacker. I think he's the guy that you want to watch, as well as uh, Trevin Merrick there uh, at the safety position. He's going to be battling Javon Holland as the number one safety in this year's draft, I think, when it's you know, when it's all said and done. Um, you look at Marshall. They're ranked number 22 in the country, taking on FAU. Marshall, why am I mentioning them? Brendan Knox. He's only a junior. Could come back for one more year, but a, a big physical running back. If you listen to my podcast previously, you'll know I, I'm a big fan of Brendan Knox. Uh, they also have Josh Ball, the tackle. I think he's definitely draft eligible, a guy that you'll probably see in the fourth, fifth round. Uh, very easy mover. Um, Alabama traveling to Tennessee. Tennessee lost to Kentucky. I think Bama ends up rolling in that game. Um, you know, Mac Jones throwing the football to, uh, to, to Devontae Smith, to Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris running the football. I think they're going to have a field day there. Uh, Notre Dame, number three in the country now, taking on Pitt at Pitt. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky game, especially if, if Kenny Pickett is at quarterback there for, for, for Pitt. Pitt has a lot of players on defense that you really want to watch out for. Even without Jalen Twyman, who opted out, you've got Patrick Jones, you've got Rashad Weaver rushing the quarterback. You have uh, Paris Jones, uh, Demar Hamlin in the secondary, and uh, you know obviously with Notre Dame, you know, they've got the sophomore running back in, in Kyron Williams um, on on the offensive side of the football. The the veteran line, um, in addition to Liam Eikenberg, uh, the, the left tackle, who I think is going to come off the board in the first two rounds. Uh, you have Aaron uh, Banks. And uh, Tommy Kramer at, at guard. Robert Hainsey's going to be a right tackle at the next level. And then uh, Jarrett Patterson right now is one of the top centers in this year's draft. He's only a junior. He's 6'5", 305. Um, he could end up coming back to Notre Dame. Defensively, you got to watch Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, number six, uh, the rover, a guy who plays all over the field. You think of uh, you know Isaiah Simmons, but he has more of a defined role on that defense. Um, so he'll be the guy to really watch there when uh, Kenny Pickett has the football for Pitt. Uh, Oklahoma State, they're ranked number six in the land now. Uh, Chuba Hubbard and company, now they have Spencer Sanders coming back. It sounds like both he and Shane Illingworth are going to be behind center. Um Tylen Wallace on the outside, very physical receiver. Um, and uh, you know, you've got Amen Agbong Bamiga and uh, and Rodarius Williams, one of the more underrated corners in the draft. And uh, Trace Ford, one of the best sophomores in all of the Big 12. Uh, they'll take on uh, Iowa State, the number 17th ranked Cyclones. This is gonna be a huge game for Brock Purdy. You know, you're really going to be talking about you know national scale there. What is Brock Purdy going to be doing in this big game? I think he's developed some chemistry with his receivers. Brees Hall, a sophomore running back, that's going to be a name to, to look out for in next year's draft class. Um, defensively, I mentioned Jaquan Bailey previously, a guy that's coming off the edge. Mike Rose is an A.J. Klein clone. He's only a junior. He'll be back next year, um, but that's another guy to watch on the defensive side of the football. Hey, Penn State taking on uh, Indiana. Journey Brown uh, has a health condition, so he won't be suiting up there for Penn State. Sounds like he may not even be playing this season. Not really sure there. Um, you know, but defensively they've got uh, Jason Owa. Um, you know, the, he's going to be the, the the defensive lineman that's really going to be challenging the likes of, of Gregory Rousseau and, and Boogie Basham as a top defensive end. I think uh, when it's all said and done there, um, as we move through some of the other games to watch out for. 
Um, let's see, Mizzou and Kentucky, two you know upstart programs there. I thought Mark Stoops getting that win against Tennessee. Mizzou taking out LSU. They've got their quarterback in Connor Bazelak. You know, you want to watch Nick Bolton, the linebacker there. A couple of safeties uh, that are playing well there for uh, Mizzou as well, especially uh, Joshua Bledsoe. Um, we continue moving down the list. I think the game that everyone's going to be tuning in in the evening is going to be the number 18th ranked Michigan Wolverines. Joe Milton, the big quarterback, uh, taking on Minnesota, number 21, uh, the Golden Gophers. You're going to see uh, you know, Tanner Morgan throwing the football to Rashad Bateman, who's opted it back in. He hired an agent but was able to go ahead and regain his eligibility now. Uh, Sam Schluter. And Daniel Falele, the two offensive tackles for the Gophers, they'll be taking on Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson for the Wolverines, a couple of defensive ends who are draft prospects for sure. That should be a fun matchup. Um, Miami really took it on the chin there. Number 11th ranked, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Hurricanes taking on uh, Virginia, I think they'll be coming with bad intentions. Uh, De'Ara King, very explosive. Um, you know, if you get to watch that game, watch the right tackle, Jared uh, Jared Williams. I think he's one of those names flying under the radar who I thought you know is having a, a pretty solid year. Uh, 16th rank SMU uh, Mustangs. They, they squeaked out a win against uh, against Tulane. They're at home against number nine ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. Desmond Ritter and company. I think you'll see that battle between Ritter and uh, and Shane Bouchelle. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, you know, one of the night games you're going to see number 12 ranked BYU Cougars taking on Texas State. You know, Jake Spavital and company. I just want you to tune in and watch Zach Wilson. He's one of the one of the most explosive, one of the best quarterbacks that you'll find, not named Trevor Lawrence. Um, so definitely tune in, watch him play. Um, you know, Mountain West, they've got some games that are being played, although um, Colorado State, New Mexico, their game has been canceled, um, you know, especially with the, the limited season. They really don't have much room for that. Um, Mountain West, let's see, uh, Utah State taking on Boise State. Uh, Boise State has a few guys to, to keep an eye on. Riley Wimpy, uh, you know, Avery Williams on the defensive side of the football. Um, so those are the matchups. Those are some of the games that I think I'll definitely want to tune in and take a look at. Look, you know, we're getting closer to having all of the FBS programs uh, taking the field. We're going to see Big 12 action. All the Big 12 teams will be on the field. I'm sorry, Big 10 teams, not Big 12. Big 12 will be there as well. But we'll see all the Big 10 and then in just two weeks, we're going to see the MAC take the field. We'll see the Pac-12 take the field. And then we'll have some semblance of normalcy when it comes to college football because the entire FCS, FBS, outside of a couple of teams that uh, opted out, like uh, Connecticut and uh, New Mexico State, outside of a couple of those programs, we're going to, to see everybody else. You know, really, all of the Power Five will be out there on the field, and uh, as well as the majority of the Group of Five. All's right in the world, at least the world of college football. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I will be tuning in this weekend. I hope you will as well. And uh, we're going to go ahead and call it a podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap up part one of episode seven of the Ready for the Draft podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the content. I hope you've enjoyed uh, breaking down some of these FCS players. These are going to be guys that we'll be talking about a lot more as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. Still set and ready to go uh, end of April. Uh, I'm assuming you know with with COVID-19 we'll probably have another virtual draft, but uh, we'll see how everything plays out as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um, but uh, you know I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Definitely excited and uh, tune in. 
Uh, I'll be putting together my, my podcast tomorrow for weeks six and seven of the college football season. So uh, tune in tomorrow and we'll do it all over again. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. And I am out of here.